Okay, today I want to talk. It's really funny. I think it was Tuesday night. It was either Wednesday night or Tuesday night. The Lord, in the middle of the night, the Lord said it's Pentecost Sunday coming up this Sunday. Pentecost Sunday. Now, we're not a liturgical church, and so we don't go by the liturgical calendar. And so I went, but, you know, and so I thought, now, I wonder if it really is. So I, I checked with Siri because she knows everything, and Siri says yes. Siri goes, Here's the information I have. Anyway, I found that it is, this is Pentecost Sunday. Now, Pentecost means 50. Pentecost, that's 50 days after Passover. Passover, you know, was a time when Jesus had the Last Supper and then he resurrected from the dead. Anyway, it's 50 days in the church calendar. It's from Easter, 50 days, so it's actually 49. But anyway, today is Pentecost Sunday. Say Pentecost Sunday. So I thought, you know, why not preach on Pentecost? You know, I mean, that seems like a good thing to do. You know, it's funny. When I I was the youth pastor of a Presbyterian church uh, back in Pennsylvania when I was in seminary, and it was really interesting, uh, Pastor Ernie, he was an older man, really neat guy. He just loved people. And he said he would always have me preach on Pentecost Sunday. And he'd say, it's Pentecost Sunday. Tell him everything about the Holy Spirit. He said, I'm too old to rock the boat, but I want you to tell him everything. And so I got to preach on Pentecost. Pentecost Sunday. It was pretty neat. So I'm preaching on Pentecost Sunday. So Ernie, I know you're up there watching. Uh, thank you for giving me permission. Anyway, uh, uh, anyway, I, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, first of all, it's interesting that, you know, we really celebrate Christmas and the virgin birth. We celebrate Easter and resurrection, and we should. I mean, those are things that are extremely important. But somehow Pentecost just gets overlooked. It's just kind of pushed to the side. And uh, yet Pentecost is so important. Because Pentecost is the day the church was born. That's when the Holy Spirit was poured out on this earth. That's when 3,000 believers came into the kingdom. And uh, the church was birthed and, and the world was changed because of what happened on Pentecost. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Acts chapter 2. You're probably familiar with this. But uh, it's, it's, I'm just going to read from the New King James 2, 1 through 4. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come... They were all with one accord in one place. Now, with one accord, what does that mean? And, and other, other translations just say, it just says they were in one place together, together in one place, that word together. But the word, uh, the word with, uh, with one accord is actually a Greek word, and the Greek word is homothumadon. Say homothumadon. Now, I'm going to put it on the screen so you can say it easier now. One, two, three. One, two, three. Homothumadon. Now, homo means one. And thumadon means, it means passion, energy, mind, uh, you know, just, in other words, they came into a oneness, into a unity that was so important. I believe the Holy Spirit would not have been poured out without that unity happening in the upper room. Uh, you know, and we don't know, there's different, some people say they were in the upper room 10 days, some say it was uh, three days, some say it was in between. You know, we don't know exactly how long they were in the upper room, uh, probably 10 days. And so you can imagine how, you know, there's, it's hot. If you've been to Jerusalem, it's hot. You know, they're going through stuff. Uh, You know, it's sweaty. They didn't have air conditioning. I'm sure they didn't have showers in the upper room. So I imagine, you know, they had to come into this place, into this oneness. Now, let's keep reading. So first of all, they came into with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound of heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in a tornado or a tornado 
coming bearing down, but it's a very scary thing. And I, I, I believe that as that mighty rushing wind came through, they were both terrified, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> they were both terrified and excited. Now you have to remember that in Luke 24, 49, Jesus had told his disciples, he said, I want you to tarry or to wait in Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. So all of a sudden, it's happening. So I'm sure it was a terrifying yet exciting experience. And it says, then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each one of them. In other words, this passion came upon them, uh, this fire, and they were all filled. Notice they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, this was an incredibly powerful thing that happened. And one of the things you have to realize, the Holy Spirit had not been released. Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. You know, I'm going to go, but, but, uh, but the Holy Spirit will come. And, and so they didn't know how that was going to happen. First of all, they didn't want him to go. They didn't think he was going to go. And, uh, but, it, but he had to get to heaven before he could release the Holy Spirit. So Pentecost is extremely important. And he knew that those disciples could never have turned the world upside down. They could have never fulfilled their destiny. They could have never done what they were called to do unless they were endued with power from an eye, unless the power of God, unless the Holy Spirit came and gave them the, the power and the ability to do what God had called them to do. Now, having said all that, uh, I want you to know that it's interesting in verse 12 and 13, uh, it actually says that some people were in awe of what was happening because they went out of the upper room, they went out into the streets, they began to praise God. Uh, some people heard in their language, in their native tongue, they heard praise to God and they were shocked and they were amazed and they were in awe. Other people though, in verse 13 said, ah, they're just drunk. Now I believe today it's the same way. I believe it's the same way, you know, when you're really excited and on fire in the spirit, some people are, some people are going, wow, that's really awesome. Other people are going, ah, you're, you're a weirdo, you know? And so uh, I believe that it, it, you know, <laughs> some things don't change. And so, but I just want to encourage you, had they not received the empowering, and then Peter got up and preached and 3,000 people came into the kingdom and they also were filled with the Spirit. Now, I believe that this is such an important event and yet it's, it's, it's short-circuited lots of times. It's short-sighted. So what was the purpose of Pentecost? Well, it was so that the Holy Spirit could come and empower us. Now, every believer, every believer, when they receive Jesus, they immediately receive the Holy Spirit on the inside. See, your human spirit comes alive. The Holy Spirit comes to dwell and live in you. And suddenly you're alive unto God. You have a new relationship with the Father. You can call him Abba, which is the most intimate term in any language for Father God. Because now you have an intimate relationship. Before he was God out there, now he's a God of love. He's a God who cares. He's a God who walks close to you. Also, you have a new relationship with Jesus when that happens. Because Jesus is not just some historical figure. He's more than that. He's now your Lord and Savior. But one of the most important things and most powerful things is the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of you. And so now you, are, you literally carry the Holy Spirit. Now, what does the Holy Spirit do on the inside of you? He actually changes you. At 28 and a half, 
When Jesus came into my life, when the Holy Spirit came inside of me, he began to change me. He had a hard, hard work. And guess what? He's not finished yet. He's still working on me. But he had a hard work because my life was such a disaster. I mean, such a disaster. And he began to change me. Now, he began to show me things that were detrimental to my life. He would reveal things to me. And I'd go, ooh, I don't want to do that. It wasn't like he didn't come in and go, you can't do that. And you shouldn't do that. And you better not do that. But you better do that. He wasn't like that. That's religion. How many know religion tries to change it from the outside in, does a horrendous job? Think about it. The religious people were the most miserable people in the world. You know what? Sinners are happier than, than, than religious people. I know that I'm going to get an email on that, but, I, I, but it's true. It's true. It's true. And here's why it's true. When Jesus walked on this earth, who were the people that he tried to get through and was pretty harsh with at times? Read Matthew 23. It was the Pharisees. The Pharisees were the religious people. They thought they had it all together. They were proud. They were arrogant. They were hard to be around. And they were miserable. Now, I just got to tell you, religion does a horrible job, but the Holy Spirit does an incredible job of transforming us and changing us. And thank God he doesn't just start and then, you know, he keeps working on us. And that's a good thing because we need that, you know. And uh, I, I just got to tell you that there's two workings of the Holy Spirit. I mean, there's more than that. But the Holy Spirit not, not only is working on the inside of us, and what he's doing is he's producing the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. The nine fruits of the Spirit, according to Galatians 5, and 23. He's not only producing fruit in us which is becoming more like Jesus, and fruit is not produced overnight. It takes time. So he's producing that. But he also empowers us, and he comes upon us with anointing and empowering. And so it's important to understand that it's not just the working in us, which is important, but he also comes upon us, and he releases gifts, and he releases things, and he anoints us to make a difference. Now, uh, I, I, want, I want you to really get this, because this is so, so, so important. Um, one of the things I believe that we are really on the brink of one of the greatest outpourings, the greatest outpouring ever. I believe we're right on the brink of it. I believe that love will be the driving force behind it, but I believe it also, uh, it'll be an empowering of miracles, signs, and wonders, uh, just like in the early church. And I believe this is the one that's going to cause the greatest harvest ever. And I believe we get to be part of that, but we need to understand the function and, the, and how the Holy Spirit operates and how the Holy Spirit empowers. And, and so uh, it, it's so important. And, you know, the sad part is that the enemy has lied. He's lied to the church, especially in America. Now, when you go to Pakistan or you go to China or you go to places where the church is persecuted, <laughs> there's no debate on the importance of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> they all know that the Holy they're desperate. They're desperately dependent on the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> now, let me ask you a question. Where is God right now? <clears throat> God's in heaven, isn't he? That's what it says, that he's in the heavens. Where's Jesus? It says he's at the right hand of the Father, right? Where's the Holy Spirit? He's with us. So when you look at the Godhead, now I know it's one God, but he's in three parts. The part of the Godhead that we have most access to and most, you know, control, or that he's the one that's most fellowshipping with us is what part? The Holy Spirit. 
I know sometimes we call him God, sometimes we call him Jesus, but it's really the Holy Spirit is the part that's really ministering to us and fellowshipping with us. So we really need to become more intimate with the Holy Spirit. It's important to be intimate with God. It's important to be intimate with Jesus. But it's also not to think the Holy Spirit's weird. He's not a force. He's a person. Jesus always referred to him as him. He says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and he will lead you into all truth. He will show you things to come. He will, and on and on and on. Uh, you can read that Last Supper discourse. In fact, before he went to the cross, he spent the whole time talking about the Holy Spirit. From chapter 13 to chapter 17, it's all about the Holy Spirit. How many know the last words that Jesus had before he left earth are going to be important? And it's all about the Holy Spirit. And yet, somehow, the church has been lied to, and they just somehow re relegate the Holy Spirit to a, to a back room. Uh, it's, they don't want to talk about the empowering of the Holy Spirit. They don't want to talk about the things of the Spirit. It makes them uncomfortable. And uh, the sad part is, if Jesus hadn't, if, if he had done that, he would have had really weak disciples who never would have fulfilled their destiny. You see, the disciples knew that they needed the Holy Spirit, and it was the Holy Spirit that changed them from being wimps, hiding away, thinking they're going to be crucified, to going out into all the world, dying martyr deaths, and bringing the gospel and changing the world. So do you think it's empower the empowering of the Holy Spirit's important? Absolutely. And it's not just important for ministry. It's important to make you a better person. It makes you a better husband, a better wife. It makes you a better, uh, a better son, a better daughter, a better father, a better mother, a better person, you know, a better friend. I mean, the Holy Spirit changes us so much that we can't get it done without, our, without us, you know, with, you know, just in our own power. Uh, I love Francis Chan because Francis Chan was a very successful evangelical pastor, built a huge mega church, but became really, really disgruntled because the Holy Spirit was not part of that church. And the Holy Spirit was lacking, and he began to see people were very surface Christians. They weren't empowered. And he actually wrote a book called The Forgotten God, which is the part of the Godhead that's been forgotten, as he said. And this is particularly true in America. And he says this. He says, from my perspective, and he, and he actually left that church, and he speaks you know, around the country now, but, but he says, from my perspective, the Holy Spirit is tragically neglected and for all practical purposes forgotten. The benchmark of success in church services has become more about attendance than the movement of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is absolutely vital to our situation today. Of course, he's always vital, but perhaps especially now, after all, if the Holy Spirit moves, nothing can stop him. If he doesn't move, we will not produce genuine fruit, no matter how much effort or money we expend. The church becomes irrelevant when it becomes purely a human creation. We are not, we are not all we were made to be when everything in our lives and churches can be explained apart from the work and presence of the Holy Spirit. And everybody said, amen, amen and oh me. That is a powerful statement, but it is so true. And it's so sad. And, you know, we desperately need the Holy Spirit. I mean, we all desperately need the Holy Spirit. I know for me, and I'll share in discovery class, I'll tell the full story, but uh, I would have failed public speaking had it not been for a very strange series of events in college. I couldn't, if I was called on in class, my mind would lock, I couldn't talk. Um, if I, and, and to have to get up and speak, 
uh, do public speaking was just, <laughs> that was a nightmare. I mean, I couldn't think of anything worse. And I was failing public speaking. And, and anyway, it's a funny story that happened, uh, you know, or a, a weird set of circumstances that I actually passed. But if anybody had told me at that time that you're going to spend most of your life speaking in front of people, I said, you know what? There's no way that could happen. You couldn't pay me enough. You couldn't pay me enough. And I remember uh, after I received Christ and, uh, you know, went to seminary. And anyway, my first sermon, I was so freaked out that I remember <laughs> I couldn't sleep. And I was praying Pastor Ernie would call me and tell me I didn't have to preach. And so at 12 o'clock, I went outside and knelt down by this tree. At 2 o'clock, I did it again. At 4 o'clock, I did it again. At 6 o'clock, when the horizon was just starting to get light, I went out again. And it was kind of like, like my Garden of Gethsemane. Lord, if you can take this cup of suffering from me. <laughs> Please do it, but not my will, your will be done. And, uh, you know, I preached, uh, you know, I, I had to preach two services, too. I had to preach 9 and 11 and preached everything I knew in 20 minutes. <laughs> if I showed you the, the video, you'd go, mm, Pastor, uh, that wasn't very good. <laughs> and I'd go, I got to agree with you. And, you know, the neat thing was, though, uh, Pastor Ernie, they didn't give an opportunity for people to receive Christ, and he let me. And in the first service, three people gave their, their, their lives to Christ, and in the second service, uh, two people did. And so I, I was excited because <laughs> I knew it wasn't my preaching. <laughs> I knew that it was the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and man, I, you know, and I'm still so dependent on the Holy Spirit. I'm always back in the prayer room before I preach. I'm always, I always feel... I don't know why. I just feel somewhat inadequate. I mean, that's funny because I've been doing this for so long. You think, Pastor, by now, man, you must have it down. No, I really am so dependent on the Holy Spirit because I know he's the one that communicates so much better than I can. And so I depend on him to communicate his truths. And so I'm often praying back there, Lord, let them, let them hear what you have to say through my words and, and help me. And, uh, but, but it's true. Now, let me show you this. this. Jesus knew what we needed. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Acts 1.8, many of you know what this is. It says, but you shall receive power. Say power. When the Holy Spirit's come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, the word power here is the word dunamis. It's where we get dynamite or dynamic from. But it doesn't just mean power. It means ability. It means supernatural ability. In other words, God gives supernatural ability to us to carry out what we're called to do. It's not just for church. It's not just for preachers. It's for business. It's for if you're a teacher. It's for, you know, whatever you're doing. He wants to empower you to do what you're called to do, whatever it might be, whether you're in the medical field, whether you're in the, uh, you know, media field, arts, you know, political field, whatever it is. I mean, you know, in the political field, we really need that anointing, amen? And so it's so important, that anointing is so important, that empowering is so essential. It's so essential. And, uh, and so in all, all of us, none of us, none of us can, can get this done in our lives. And, you know, it says, it says... When we receive that power that he was talking about, that was poured out on the day of Pentecost and available to all of us, he said, you'll be my witnesses. Not that you'll witness, but you'll be my witnesses. In other words, people will see me in you. People will see me in you. It's the word martyrion. So, you know, and came to mean they died, but it doesn't mean that. It, you know, the, the word, etymology of the word means that people will see Jesus in you. And that's in Jerusalem. That's where you live. That's with your family. That's the hardest place. Jerusalem, Judea. Judea is the outlying area where you have some, some influence, but not as much. And then Samaria. Samaria is where they hate your guts. That's right. 
and then to the ends of the earth. So that empowering is for you to make a difference wherever you go, whatever field you're in. It's not just for pastors or, you know, and so it's very important to see that. Now, um, I just want you to know that, that the truth is that Jesus actually needed to be baptized in the Holy Spirit before he could go into ministry. I know that seems weird because he was Jesus. How many, did anybody see the movie? There's a movie out there, and I haven't seen it, but it's called Young Messiah. Has anybody seen that? Okay, a few of you have. Now, uh, that, in that movie, Young Messiah, he does miracles and stuff, doesn't he, as a kid? Yeah. Well, let me just tell you, that's unscriptural, you know. Uh, not surprising, most, <laughs> most movies are unscriptural, but, but that movie about Jesus is unscriptural because there's no record of him doing any miracles before he was baptized in the Spirit. The only thing it says at 12 years old, he confounded some of the priests in the temple when he was talking with them. So it's really important to know this because <laughs> the empowering came upon him. I'm going to read, you can turn to, to Luke chapter 3. I'm going to read this, uh, but when you see this, uh, you'll see, and this applies to everything. I just thought of another thing. It applies to sports. <laughs> it really does. It really applies to sports and to every area of your life. So Jesus, this is Luke 21, Luke 3, 21 tw through 23. It says, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was open. So he the heavens open. He had an open heaven over him. And we're always praying for open heaven. And he had an open heaven over him. And then it says, And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove, meaning gently, upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son. In you I am well pleased. In other words, the affirmation of the Father God. The Father was affirming him. So you had Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You had the Son being baptized, the Holy Spirit coming upon him, and the Father affirming him. And then... It says, now Jesus himself began his ministry at about 30 years of age. For the next three and a half years, he did miracles. He changed, I mean, he raised the dead. He healed the lepers. He, you know, brought sight to the blind. You know, he, you know, he did all incredible miracles. He changed the world, turned it upside down. He trained 12 individuals closely. He had others that followed him. And one of those guys turned out to be a jerk. And so uh, he had 11, and then he had other people, but they went out. The only way they were going to change the world is through the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Jesus knew that. And so how many of you know if Jesus needed the empowering of the Holy Spirit, how many of you think we need it? <laughs> you better believe it. You better believe it. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I, want to, uh, I want to just read to you. Well, I want to read to you from Acts chapter 8. I want you to hear this. Uh, Acts chapter 8, 14 through 17. It says, Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. Now I just want you to know, when they heard that Samaria had received the word of God, it kind of blew their minds. Why? Because they considered Samarians, Samaritans to be half-breeds. That's what they called them. They, did, they hated Samaritans. They wouldn't even go through Samaria. They'd go around it. And so now God pours out his spirit. I mean, not, he doesn't pour it out yet, but the word of God came to Samaria. How many of you know God's no respecter of persons? And listen how God pours out his spirit on Samaria. Whatever state in life you are, he loves you. And he doesn't see it the way the world does. And so he cares about those that are considered lowly. He considers those that are considered highly. I don't know if there's such a word. But anyway, uh, listen to this, though. It goes on to say, um, and so Peter and John were sent down. 
who when they came down prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had not fallen upon, he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now I want you to know, God, God and this blew some of, the, some of the Jews' minds because they didn't think that they, were, that, that they should get the Holy Spirit. And then the Gentiles got the Holy Spirit, and that really ticked off some of the religious people. And uh, how many of you know God poured out his Spirit on all flesh? Amen? And he wants us all to have that empowering. And uh, I'm so grateful. Now, have any, I should ask it this way, has anybody never heard of Billy Graham? The reason, the reason I ask that is sometimes little kids have never heard of Billy Graham. Now, we all have, and I grew up with Billy Graham. Billy Graham was probably one of the most known figures. Uh, you know, uh, I remember watching Billy Graham crusades on TV as a kid. And, and so Billy Graham's pretty well known. But I'm going to share with you a fact that very few people know about Billy Graham. In fact, because Billy Graham grew up in a denomination that does not believe in a second empowering, he did not share this. He never shared this publicly. But he shares this in his book entitled The Leadership Secrets of Billy Graham. I want you to hear this because this is a man who literally has probably led more people to Christ than anybody in the 20th century. But I want you to hear this because, well, you'll see why. Billy's soul was indeed ablaze. Unsophisticated, he was painfully aware of his limitations but he was full of passion to fulfill what he believed God was calling him to spreading the gospel, the good news, the message of liberation and love. Yet as he focused and energetically began to preach, receiving even more invitations to speak, he sensed and knew increasingly that his eloquence could not persuade or transform. His deepening humility was anchored in fact, <laughs> He just wasn't that annoying, you know, he just wasn't that good a speaker. And he knew he was not an outstanding speaker, and he personally, his personal charisma was not enough to fulfill the great call that he felt weighing upon his life. Now, he had entered a life of hopelessness, helpless, I'm sorry, helplessness. He had entered a life of helplessness, helpless to do the work that was far larger than his capability. How many of you know that God calls us to works that are larger than our ability to get it done in our own power? Amen. As he found some success as an evangelist, he continually sought a greater connection and empowerment. During a mission to the British Isles, and he was in his 20s, he met a young Welsh evangelist named Stephen Olford, who had the spiritual qualities Billy longed for. He, was, he had a dynamic and exhil an exhilaration about him that I wanted so much to capture, Billy said. After hearing Olford preach of being filled with the Holy Spirit, Billy approached him and said, you've spoken on something that I don't have. I want the fullness of the Holy Spirit in my life too. Olford agreed to set aside two days when Billy was scheduled to speak at Pontypridd, just 11 miles from the home of the Olford, Olford's parents. The two would talk and pray and during the day and pausing long enough for Billy to preach at night. This is serious business, Billy told him. I have to learn what this is that the Lord has been teaching you. In a small stone hotel, Alford led Billy through the steps on the Bible verses of the Spirit's empowering, which had produced Alford's profound spiritual renewal a few months earlier. The effects of the mentoring, however, were not evident on the e at the e evening service. 
In fact, quite frankly, Olford said later, his preaching was very ordinary. Neither his homiletics nor his theology appealed to the Welsh people. <laughs> it said, uh, anyway, it said basically uh, for hours of solid, you know, Billy was giving <laughs> brief little messages to them. They listened, but it wasn't their kind of preaching. The crowd was small, passive, and to Billy's invitation, unresponsive. In other words, nobody came forward. The next day, Alfred continued uh, the instruction, telling Billy that he must be broken, <clears throat> like the Apostle Paul, letting God, letting God turn him inside out. I gave him my testimony, Alfred said, of how God completely turned my life inside out, an experience of the Holy Spirit uh, in his fullness and anointing, said Alfred. As I talked and as I, as I can see him now, those marvelous eyes glistened with tears. And he said, Stephen, I see it. That's what I want. That's what I need in my life. Olford suggested that they pray through. And both men knelt on the floor. I can still hear Billy pouring out his heart in prayer of total dedication to the Lord. And Olford said, finally, he said, my heart. Billy said this. Billy said, my heart is so flooded with the Holy Spirit now. He said, he went from prayer, praising, praying to praising. We were laughing and praising God. And Billy was walking back and forth in the room crying out, I have it. I'm filled. This is the turning point of my life. And he was a new man. As Billy recalls the experience years later, I was beginning to understand that Jesus himself was our victory, but through the Holy Spirit's power. That night when Billy preached, for reasons known to God alone, the place which was only moderately filled the night before, was packed to the doors, said Olford. As Billy rose to speak, he was a man absolutely anointed. Members of the audience came forward to pray even before Billy gave an invitation. At the end of the sermon, practically the entire crowd rushed forward. My own heart was so moved by Billy's authority and strength, and I could hardly drive home, Olford remembers. When I came in the door, my father looked at my face and said, what on earth happened? I sat down at the kitchen table. I said, Dad, something has happened to Billy Graham. The world is going to hear from this man. Whew. Powerful. Powerful. You know, it's interesting, in the middle of the night, somehow the Lord speaks to me in the middle of the night. But in the middle of the night, the Lord gave me four Ds. And I believe it's for us. Say, how can I, how can I experience more of the empowering? Now, I just want to say this up front. A lot of people think, well, it's just, you just get baptized in the Spirit once, and then that's it. You kind of pull up to the Holy Ghost gas tank. You know, the Holy Spirit fills you up and says, good luck. Don't put the pedal to the metal too hard because you've got to make it until I return or until you go to heaven. I just want you to know that's not the case. There's initial baptism of the Holy Spirit and empowering, but then he empowers you and empowers you and empowers you and empowers you. And there's different times when he empowers you. But I want to say this. And the scripture for that, let me give the scriptural basis. It's Ephesians 5.18. It says, uh, in there it says, don't get drunk with wine, that's foolishness, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Now the word there, be filled with the Spirit. In the literal Greek, it's in the present progressive tense. We don't have that in English. Present progressive tense, actually, if it was literally translated, it would be, be being filled on a regular basis. So how many know we need to continue to be filled, Amen. And so we need that infilling, we need that empowering, and, uh, and so I'm going to give you the four Ds the Lord just spoke to me in the middle of the night. The first one is desperate. Say desperate. desperate. We need to be desperate for that. We can't just say, well, that'd be nice. 
you know, it'd be nice. You know, Lord, if you can, you know. No, no, we need to really go after him. Did you see, did you hear how desperate Billy Graham was? We need to be desperate. Uh, you know, and, and, and I'll give you an example. The Holy Spirit often comes, he comes in a lot of different ways. I think one of the most desperate times of my life was when I suddenly became a single parent overnight and I had two small children and I was so desperate. I was depressed. <laughs> There's a, a fifth D. He didn't give me that one. But anyway, uh, but I was depressed and I remember crying out to him in just desperation and just saying, God, please, you got to help me. And, and I remember one morning I was so depressed. I couldn't get out of bed and I was crying out to, to the Holy Spirit and literally hands lifted me out of bed. Now, I don't know if it was God's hands. I don't know if it was Jesus' hands. I don't know if it was angelic hands, but all I know, I'm standing there in my BVDs and I'm thinking, you know what? God's with me and I know I'm going to make it. And I want you to know if you're going through a hard time, man, cry out to him. You know, don't just cry, but cry out to him because he'll be there for you. But desperate is important. Uh, you got to be desperate. You got to be desperate for him. Also, you got to be dependent on him, dependent on him. If you depend on your own ability and your, you know, what you think you got it all together, I guarantee you'll never fulfill what God's called you to do. You've got to depend on him. I'm talking about all facets, business, you know, uh, arts, you know, the, all facets of society. This isn't just for preachers. This is for everyone, you know, and so it's so essential. So it's not only being desperate, but it's also being dependent. Now, Jesus was dependent in John 5, 19. He said, I can do nothing except what I experienced from the father. So it's, it, you know, and again, through the Father, the Holy Spirit was the one that would direct him. So again, we've got to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit. We've got to allow him. We've got to listen to him. We've got to obey him. Uh, also being diligent. We need to be diligent to fulfill what he's called us to do. Diligent. That's important. Actually, Hebrews eleven six says, God is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God rewards those who diligently seek him. He pours out his spirit and empowers those who diligently seek him. And the last one I got uh, <clears throat> was destined. Destined. We all have a destiny. You have a destiny. I have a destiny. We have a destiny. But you know what? The only way we'll fulfill that destiny is through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? I don't care how good looking you are. I don't care how talented you are. I don't care how much ability you have. I want you to know the Holy Spirit he is much more able. He's much more, he has much more ability. He has supernatural ability for each one of us. And he gives it to us, not because we deserve it. He gives it to us when we cry out to him. Why? Because he loves us and we're his kids. Is that good news or bad news? I just want to read one final scripture and then I'm going to pray for you. It's real simple. Acts chapter 19, verses one through five. It says, and it happened while Apollos was at Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we've not even so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Unfortunately, there's Christians today that would echo that same thing. And then they said, well, Paul said to him, he said, well, into whose, you know, in, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. But Paul said, hey, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him, Jesus, who would come after him. That is Jesus Christ. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. In other words, they received Christ. And then it says, when, and when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now notice in the first version, it doesn't say anything about tongues and prophecy. In the second one, it does. Here's what I want you to know. 
When, you're bat- when you receive the fullness of the Spirit, you can speak in tongues. It's not something you have to do. It's helpful. I don't have time to teach on that today, but, you know, but, but I don't want you to get hung up today because we're going to pray for an empowering today. And if you speak in tongues, fine. If you don't speak in tongues, that's fine. You can speak in tongues. You can do it anytime you want. You can go home and speak in tongues. And I know, and I, I wish I could, you know, the purpose of tongues is to personally edify. So, but without going into that, that's a whole nother teaching. I'm not, I'm not going there. But today, I'm believing for you to be further empowered. You might say, well, I'm already empowered. I already see the baptism. Good. Well, guess what? We need more empowering. Amen? <laughs> Does anybody have enough empowering you don't want anymore? <laughs> I'll lay hands on you if you, if you raise your hand. <laughs> it won't be the right way. But anyway, uh, <laughs> but anyway, I just want to encourage you today that it's all about him. He's an incredible He's an incredible God. Jesus is an incredible Lord. And the Holy Spirit is an incredible helper. He's an incredible friend. And uh, he wants you to be really intimate with him. So if you'll bow your heads, I'm going to have the ministry, uh, the uh, worship team come back up. I want you to bow your heads because there is one prerequisite for getting empowered. And that's receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And so there may be people here this morning. You might say, well, I know all about Jesus. I love Jesus. Until you receive him as your personal Lord and Savior for the forgiveness of your sin, you cannot be empowered by the Holy Spirit. So, if you're here this morning, you say, well, Pastor, I really, I really need Jesus. I've messed up in my life a lot. And uh, I really need him to come into my life and to forgive me. And he will. He will. But you've got to cry out to him. He doesn't just do it automatically because you're a nice person. You've got to cry out to him. You might say, well, Pastor, I, you know, one time I did that, but I've kind of strayed away. And, well, his arms of love are just waiting for you to come back, just like the prodigal, like the father waiting for the prodigal. He's just waiting for you to come back. So if you're in either one of those categories, I'm not going to have you stand, but with either one of those categories with head bowed, I want you to just raise your hand kind of wave at me. I want to pray for you right where you're sitting. It's so important you acknowledge him. God bless you. I see that hand. God bless you. Other hands, God bless you. Kind of wave at me. God bless you. I don't want to miss you. God bless you. I see your hand, honey. God bless you. I see your hand. God bless you. Any other hands? Okay. God, oh, God bless you. Another hand over there. Okay, God bless you. Okay, I'll tell you what, put your hands down. Say this with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he died for me. Now, Jesus, please forgive me of all my sin. Thank you that you do. Come into my life. Change me from the inside out by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm yours, Jesus. You're my Lord and Savior. I'm coming back to you. Let's give Jesus a great hand. Hallelujah. God bless you. 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 God bless anybody I missed. By the way, I just want you to know that Jeff, Jeff, kind of stand up and wave. Jeff's going to be down here. If you've given your life for the first time, you're going to be right down in this area. Please talk to him. We want to help you to grow in Christ. Okay, stand up, everybody. Now, here's what we're going to do. I was trying to figure out how to do this. But I'm going to pray for everybody to get further empowered today. Maybe this will be your first time. Maybe just, you know, another empowering. I want you to put your hands out to the side. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, thank you for not leaving us as orphans. Thank you for sending your Holy Spirit. Now I ask you to come. Pour out your Spirit upon me. Empower me to a greater degree than ever before. Lord, I thank you. Pour it out in great measure. I am desperate and dependent. And I want to fulfill my destiny. Help me, Lord. 
Thank you, Jesus. I just let him come. You may speak to your heart. You may feel a weightiness on your hands. You may feel a joy in your heart. I don't know what he's going to do, but he's going to come. He's going to let you know he's with you. He's strengthening and empowering you. Just let it come. And don't just do this one time. Spend time allowing him to empower you. Situations, wherever you are, constant empowering by the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.